everybody, this is Lex, and this is the Max Future Podcast, episode number two, and I'm recording this on May 3rd. So this was a big week because earlier in the week, Apple announced its quarterly earnings, and it basically showed that a lot of the analysts don't know what they're doing, because Wall Street basically said before the, um, the news came out for the quarter that Apple didn't do well because the iPhone X wasn't selling well. And this was based on these Wall Street analysts claiming they were checking the, um, the supply chain and, and basically trying to figure out by talking to other people who work at supply companies for Apple um, as to how they were doing in terms of giving supplies like for chips and for other things for Apple. And basically, these analysts were saying that Apple doesn't know, you know, isn't doing well with the iPhone X because the sales are bad of the components. And guess what? Uh, they were totally wrong. Apple uh, iPhone X did very well. And, and here are some of the key, key highlights of the quarter. It was the sixth consecutive quarter of growth for Apple. Its iPhone revenue was up 14%. And its services revenue is up 31%. And wearables, you know, which are like the Apple Watch, are up 50%. And apparently this was the best quarter ever for Apple services with its revenue topping $9 billion, which was up $2 billion compared to the year ago. And, you know, so basically Apple sort of hit it out of the park. And after, um, you know, the news came out after trading ended, the stock went way up um, the next day, but it had gone down in the previous days and weeks because of these analysts basically saying, you know, that Apple was not going to do well. So, you know, there's always been this disconnect between the naysayers on Wall Street and Apple and its executives. You know, Apple's a very secretive company, and it's gigantic. It's almost at a trillion-dollar valuation, and a lot of uh, analysts on Wall Street always or always saying it's you know it's it's um, too big to grow anymore but apple has been finding ways to grow and and you know what a lot of people forget is that apple is not seeking to sell every human being on earth an iphone apple is happy being dominant in sort of a niche which is it wants to be on the top end of products make quality products where people are willing to pay a premium for that product. And, you know, years ago, when uh, early in the iPhone sales days, you know, I live in New York City, and I stood in line at various Apple stores uh, waiting, you know, for that year's model of the iPhone. And I remember just the people I was standing in line with, you know, some of the people you could tell were working people, blue-collar people who didn't really have a lot of money. And, and in talking to them, what I got then was a sense that this was an affordable luxury. Like they were willing to pay five, six hundred dollars for a um, for an iPhone or even seven or eight hundred dollars because they knew that this would sort of transform their life. It was a luxury. They would use it for their entertainment for it was basically their main computer. And you know, so they were willing to pay that because when you think about it, compared to other costs like the cost of buying a home, an apartment, or a house, or buying a car, you can you can spend a few hundred dollars more for the year 
and get a really great phone. And so that's what analysts don't really get, which is, you know, Apple is going to focus on making a premium product. And a lot of the analysts said, well, you know, the iPhone 10 was a lot more expensive than prior iPhones. And it was, in, you know, it, it, it is in the sense that you've, you can get an iPhone 10 model that's over $1,000. But even before that, in prior years with the iPhone 7, if you got a fully loaded iPhone 7, well, that was, you know, close to $1,000. And what, you know, analysts don't realize is Apple was kind of clever how they did the last iPhone launch. It came out after the iPhone 7 with the iPhone 8 model plus the 8 plus and then the 10 skipping the 9 so you know Apple knew for example with the new OLED components in the iPhone 10 that it wasn't going to be able to maybe satisfy uh, all the demand for that because it was a new component and you know there are some limitations as to how many OLED panels that can be cut up into smartphone panels that Samsung Samsung can make. So Apple decided, you know what? We'll we'll make a better iPhone 7. Uh, we'll we'll give it a bump up with the iPhone 8 and the 8 Plus, but also sell the 10. So suddenly you have three brand new phones, iPhones for the year. And so when you combine that, those three products together, you give consumers a lot of choice for what you want in terms of a premium iPhone device. So, you know, so analysts were saying, oh, no, no, the iPhone 10 is too big, uh, too expensive, but there was demand for it. You know, there, there, you don't need to sell to everybody. There's just going to be a lot of people who are going to pay the extra 100 or $200 to get the iPhone 10 instead of the iPhone 8 or 8 Plus. And, you know, I certainly uh, was one of those people. Uh, I rationalized getting an iPhone 10 in that, you know, I use this device so much. I use it as my primary computing device. It's with me all the time. But also I have a family. I have kids and I take photos and videos. And I know that every year Apple makes a better, better uh, camera in the iPhone. And the 10 has... Uh, features with the with the camera on the front and the back that the 8 did not. Uh, one of the big additions in recent years to the iPhone line has been uh, stabilization in the in the uh, in for the video and for the camera. And and built-in stabilization is critical because when you're taking video and you're moving around and walking, if it's not stabilized, you get a very jerky video. So the iPhone 10 has, you know, the, the stabilization that it has that the iPhone 8 Plus and the 8 do not have are that it is dual stabilization on the dual camera. So both camera uh, chips or camera optical, uh, you know, uh, lenses on the back side of the iPhone 10 have stabilization. So that means, you know, when you're going wide angle or zooming in, you're going to get that stabilization. And you, you don't get that dual stabilization with the, um, with the iPhone 8. So that's big. And, and all around, there's other, other things that you can get in terms of um, better uh, processing with the camera chip, 
uh, and uh, of course you get the um, you get the augmented you know the AR function with the iPhone 10 which basically allows you to use those animated emojis but for me it was it's the really more powerful processor and better camera that justifies uh, my getting the most premium iPhone that's made and and also I don't think of it just in terms of a one-year cost because in our family we have two kids and my wife and so there's a trickle down where uh, I take my phone and give after one year when a new uh, model comes out I give it to my wife then my wife's phone is given to the eldest kid and then the eldest kid's phone is passed down to the second eldest kid and so that way we're we're recycling uh, these iPhones and in fact what's going on is each iPhone is being used for a good four years um, so that's you know that's an important fact so when you're spreading out the cost over four years another two hundred dollars premium for an iPhone uh, is worth it because we're, we're talking about two hundred dollars spread over forty four years you know that's like um, fifty bucks a year and uh, you know that's less than um, that's actually less than five bucks a month. So, you know, it's a total deal. One of the things discussed in the uh, earnings call was that Apple is planning to add additional features to HomePod. And it's also going to be releasing it to new markets. Now, I have a HomePod. And um, one thing I would like Apple to do is allow you to have the ability to make the the, the how loud the music plays or the audio works um, give it more grain make you know so you could really you could really um, sort of you know if you want to really make it small changes in the audio you can do it because right now you basically in the incremental um, sound uh, how loud it is is not um, it, it just goes down to nothing or if you move it up a little bit it's too loud and the thing with the HomePod is, is it gets really loud so you want to be able to sort of be able to really really um, sort of you know make it small changes with the audio so you can get it exactly where you want so you need you need to Apple needs to make it maybe with an app or something that you can really um, change the settings for the audio so you can make it you, you know exactly where you want it in terms of how loud it is or how soft it is because right now when I try to do it you know by pressing the buttons on the top it either gets too soft or too loud and I don't have the ability to make it incrementally in between so that's one sort of just basic change that Apple needs to make. Uh, one thing that I think is remarkable about the uh, HomePod is that it, it can re the mic the microphones it has in it are incredibly sensitive, and you could whisper to Siri from across the room or somewhere else in your home, and it picks up Siri very well compared to, you know, Siri on a computer or Siri on the iPhone or on an iPad. So it's incredibly sensitive to Siri. I can just sort of whispered say hey so and so um, do you know turn off the lights or turn off the bedroom lights 
and it, and it gets it really quickly and really well. So that aspect of Siri is very good. But I'd like to see, uh, I also would like to see the ability to uh, easily make this work with um, other devices like uh, Apple TV and, um, and the computer. I mean, it would be great if you could just easily send the audio uh, to, the, to it from a computer. Um, you know, in terms of functionality for Siri, it would be great if Siri could go to compound um, questions based on the prior question. Like if you could say, um, hey, you know, when was Beethoven born? And then without saying Beethoven's name, just say, and where was he born? And uh, how long did he live? And without, you know, the Siri should understand the context that I'm just following up on the first question, which is when was Beethoven born? So, uh, you know, I would think that that kind of programming for for Siri and sort of artificial intelligence is doable. And I think for these services like um, Alexa for Amazon and for uh, Google, Google's, um, Google's, um, you know, art of Google's voice. Um, you want to be able to just sort of talk the way you would talk to humans, right? Like when you're talking to a human, you wouldn't keep re repeating the same uh, noun, right? Uh, you wouldn't keep saying, okay, when was Beethoven born? When was, how old did Beethoven live? Uh, where did Beethoven go to school? Like you wouldn't keep saying Beethoven, Beethoven, Beethoven. So that's that's something that needs to be to be changed in uh, Home uh, HomePod. But I, I do think that Apple is going to work with HomePod, and it's only going to get better. In the um, in the beta of iOS 11, it's going to have um, AirPlay 2 is already in it. I don't have a second HomePod, so I can't really test. One of the uh, features of AirPlay 2 is going to be the ability to send uh, audio to more than one HomePod at a time. So that's going to be kind of cool. So I, I like HomePod. I don't use it a lot. I mainly use it really just for Siri to put on the lights off and on in my bedroom and also to see, you know, get like the baseball scores or the weather. But I do think that it's a great device. You know, again, it's a little pricey compared to Amazon's um, various Echoes and uh, the Google uh, the Google product, but as a as a speaker, it's a much better speaker than uh, than the little fifty dollar Echo that I have. Okay, so one of the things uh, I also want to talk about is that recently Apple announced that it is no longer going to come out with new um, airport devices. This is the wireless routers that Apple had been selling. And so Apple's leaving that business and some people are upset about it, you know, because right now we're sort of in a renaissance time of uh, wireless routers. One of the most popular things are these mesh routers where you can buy like a package of like three and they automatically connect with each other. Uh, I have Google Wi-Fi. Uh, I replaced my airport, um, Apple Airport Ex Express or Extreme, um, last year with a Google Wi-Fi router, and and I really like it because I know I can 
expand it easily by just buying other ones and, and it'll just completely connect and optimize the, the network. And the other thing that's great about a lot of these new mesh routers, like at least the Google one, is that they, they're easy to set up through an app on your phone and also they work with services like if this, then, and that, IFTT on the internet. So you could create like rules that, you know, IFTTT, if you've ever used it, is a fantastic service which works with all sorts of serv other services and apps and devices. So you could create all sorts of rules. Like, for example, you can create a rule in your account that says, you know, when a certain sports team scores a goal in hockey, um, it will then trigger your hue lights to flash a certain color. Um, so that's the concept behind uh, IFTTT. And so you could do that with the Google Wi-Fi router. You could say like when, when a certain device connects to the network, send me a notification. Or when a certain device uh, hits the network, turn on all the lights in the apartment or home. So anyways, going back to Apple leaving that niche, I mean, I guess Apple looked at the market and said, you know what, uh, there's a lot of competition in that area, a lot of innovation, and maybe Apple doesn't think it could really add much over that, and Apple doesn't think it could really add much to charge a premium because Apple is a business. It has pretty significant margins on all of its products. And Apple doesn't want to go into a business where it can't justify like a premium, um, a premium over the competition because Apple's not looking to compete on price. Apple's looking to compete on a premium uh, service or a premium feature in the device. So Apple probably looked at these mesh routers and said, you know, they're doing fantastic work. You know, we could put, I don't know, hundreds of engineers on it. Are, are we really going to come out with something significantly better? So that is something that, um, you know, I think Apple decided it can't really compete in. So it's exiting, which I, I think if that's the way it thought of how to do it, then I think Apple made the right Okay, so one of the things, finally, I want to talk about Y-Thing. So Y-Thing, if you, if you didn't know about it, was, um, has been around for a number of years, was a, um, a French company that made these great devices, which were often sold in Apple stores and featured. And one of the um, Y-Thing products that uh, I think it was one of its first products was a, a Wi-Fi scale um, to weigh yourself. And uh, I bought one of the first ones, I think, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago. And it was fantastic. And I still use it. Uh, it's a, one of the first models because you could weigh yourself and um, it will then connect to the internet and it will connect to your iPhone and, and give you the data. And then eventually it connected with HomeKit. And the beauty of it also was that it could sort of track the different people in your home based on their weight and body mass so that it could just automatically tell if your wife or your one of your children was on it once you set it up. And um, a couple of years ago, 
uh, well, and also Wythen came out with other products like a blood pressure um, device that would take your blood pressure and connects to your iPhone by Bluetooth and also HomeKit and and other products. I think they came out with a watch. And I thought Wythen was, well, was a very well-run company with really good products. And Apple clearly thought they were good products because they would feature them in the store. Well, a couple of years ago, Nokia, the, you know, the, the what's or that Finnish company that was once dominant in smartphones and then got clobbered by the iPhone, Nokia um, bought Why Things, and this was a couple of years ago. And I was really worried when they bought them that they were going to ruin it. And actually, they changed the name to Nokia. So if you go to an Apple store and you see a scale, it's going to be a Nokia um, scale. Well, Nokia just recently announced that it was getting out of the Y thing business, and it was, and it's going to sell that division back to the guy who used to own Y things. So I'm actually very happy about that, and I hope that guy like revitalizes Y things. And actually, I think um, you know Apple should consider buying Y things because Apple's clearly getting into the health. Um, health game, right? The Apple Watch is a tremendous health device, and you know um, it's able to track all sorts of cardio information. There's speculation that there's going to be the ability to um, track other body, you know, information, and it would make sense for Apple to come out with like a, an Apple branded scale and an Apple branded blood pressure device. Um, I think Apple could add a lot to that to make them more elegant, and it wouldn't cost a lot because I think I think Nokia paid a couple of hundred million dollars for Y things to begin with, and Apple could probably get it back or get it from the old owner of Y things for something like that, which is nothing considering the you know the hundred billion dollars or so that Apple has stashed away. So, anyways, um, you know I'm, I'm really Happy that uh, Y thing is going to be leaving uh, Nokia, and um, I'd like I hope hopefully more of those products would be developed. Okay, so thanks for listening to episode two. This is uh, Lex at Max Future, and um, I will see you probably in a week. Thanks for listening.